You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I applaud the decision by the Big Ten presidents and chancellors to allow fans back in our venues. It will be wonderful to have fans with us for our final two volleyball matches, as well as soccer, softball, baseball, and of course, the red-white spring game on May 1st. Please look for more details in the next few days in regards to how you can obtain your tickets. Welcome back, and go Big Red. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Husker fans, you are back. It's been over a year since you've been able to attend um, a sporting event, buy a ticket in Lincoln. Uh, Well, starting this weekend with Nebraska baseball and Nebraska softball and here later this month with uh, Nebraska volleyball when they play Penn State and the red-white spring game on May 1st, as well as any of the women's soccer matches, you will be able to buy a ticket and attend a Husker sporting event. How about that, Nate Klaus and Robin Washett? About time. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Thank goodness. I mean, I think we all saw this coming, uh, that it was going to be inevitable, but you know, for for once, we'll give the Big Ten a hat tip for actually doing the uh, correct thing and not being uh, so stubborn with their policies that they would refuse to budge on something that made too much sense not to happen. And uh, I mean, especially with you know these spring sports, like to even the the notion of competitive advantage and all that stuff. Like, who cares? I mean, at this point, you're just trying to get your uh, for one, your fan base is an opportunity to see their teams, but your your schools a chance to, you know, recoup some of the money they've lost over the past years. And, uh, you know, it's just a, a, a easing into hopefully a, a full return to normalcy come the fall. Yeah, I'm definitely really excited about the news, happy that it happened. But at the same time, I'm kind of sitting here going, what, why now? What, what's, why the timing now? Um, you know, it's uh, kind of curious what, you know, what, what, what it was that eventually tipped the scales in favor of them deciding to open things back up. Um, you know, it's, you wish that, you know, if the volleyball team had had, you know, maybe if it was a week or two earlier, you know, maybe they would have had a, a full house and, for Ohio state yeah, yeah, for Ohio state. And maybe, you know, maybe that would have helped them there or something, but, um, you know, yeah, the timing's a little, a little odd, but, uh, overall, yeah, you can't be, can't be upset about it. You know, it's, it's nice to finally at least talk about having fans at a sporting event and, and have the option to, uh, for fans to, to buy tickets. And this was a council of president and chancellor's decision. Um, and, and, you know, the athletic directors were behind this 100%, as you know, I mean, cause it's their money, their budgets, they're the ones that have to make the tough decisions here with staffing and budgeting and any little bit helps. And Nebraska, guys, is going to benefit off this more than anybody. I mean, what is there, 16, 18 baseball games? Um, and, you know, if they're going to get three or 4,000 fans, probably they haven't, they, as of Wednesday taping this show, we don't know the number. I'll tell you what could hold this number up a little bit is Lancaster County. Um, Lancaster County remains in Lincoln, uh, remains the only county in Nebraska that has not gone to the green on the COVID risk dial. Um, There's the red, the orange, the yellow, and then the green. Um, We are here in Lancaster County still in the yellow. um, And and that still puts in some of those six foot parameters, similar to what we saw at state basketball. They had entire rows blocked off, et cetera. So at least for this week, we remain in the yellow, and they announced that already in Lincoln on Tuesday. Um, so that will keep it down a little bit. Um, but, you know, it paves the way for so much more. The red-white spring game, early number I'm hearing is 
hopefully 40,000. We'll see, maybe more. Um, but I, I think that's kind of the optimistic goal today is 40,000, hopefully, that they can get in that red-white game. And there's some debate on the board, guys. Um, oh, the season has just taken so much out of people. Um, they'll be lucky to get that. I, I disagree. I think that for, if, they, if they say 40,000, that will be gone fairly quickly, in my opinion. I agree, and it's because of the the event aspect of it. You can be as down as you want on the team, but uh, this is a fan base that hasn't seen their team play in you know almost a year and a half. And so uh, the opportunity, even if it is just a scrimmage or a spring game, and even if there is uh, more pessimism than we've seen in a long time about the program, it's still Nebraska football. It's still a spring game where there's not a whole lot uh, to attend, and especially given what we've all gone through the past year, being able to get back inside Memorial Stadium, see Nebraska football on the field, uh, you know, scrimmage or not, I think there's going to be a multitude of people that are be clamoring for those tickets. Yeah, any football is better than no football. And I, I guarantee you, if, especially if the weather is nice for that weekend, I mean, that's going to be a, a sold-out mm-hmm. event, and there's going to be people like crazy that come out. Tailgating. Tailgating. Rail yard. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be like – the end of COVID. <laughs> exactly. It'd be like a party, end of the school year type of party, end of the end of COVID type of, you know, celebration. Because I, I mean, I, I just envision all sorts of people making plans, whether they have tickets to go to the game or not, that are going to revolve around that spring game. Well, that weekend is also the Lincoln Marathon weekend. And then the following weekend is the graduation in Memorial Stadium as well. Um, so the first two Saturdays and Sundays in May are going to be some of the best days this town has had in the last year. And you think about a hotel owner right now or a restaurant owner, especially in downtown. I mean, just the the hits they've taken. So um, May 1, that weekend, and even just the boost that the baseball games will bring. And, and granted, it might only be three or 4,000 over there. But that's better than 250, and, and that, that's what it has been, you know, these games and, and whatnot. So I'm excited um, for this. I, I just hope Lancaster County can get with the rest of the state and go to the green here sooner rather than later because then that would give Nebraska a little bit more latitude because I, I do think the demand will be high, that they're going to go to the season ticket holders first on volleyball and baseball, and then if there's any left over, then general public will get their chance. And I just think there's going to be such a craving to go to something right now that season ticket holders are probably going to get a good majority, if not all these tickets. Yeah, for sure. And And they should. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what your uh, loyalty does. It pays off in a situation like this, but I think it, I mean, it's just a matter of time before they go into the green and uh, you know, I'm sure there's some reluctance with the uh, precautious nature. They've handled this from the start, but uh, in the end, I mean, it's going to get to the point where, Literally everybody else is moving forward and going going uh, that that next step towards you know a, a full return to normalcy and uh, with the amount of economic impact that weekend in particular you know that when when the spring sports start rolling the spring game happens that would be a very poor missed opportunity if you don't take advantage of that as as a city I mean you've got businesses that are just been absolutely crippled for the past year and if you can't throw them a bone and uh, allow them to try to get back on track a little bit even if it is uh, just a small bump everything helps right now and you got to look out for your community yeah talk about a huge shot in the arm no no pun intended uh, to, to the <laughs> there was economy, definitely pun intended to there. the to the economy <laughs> and, and just everybody that I mean the athletic department and all the businesses down here I mean ev- everything that would be 
Uh, I mean, if you if you could <laughs> be over forty thousand people in the stadium, I mean that would be just well huge innate recruiting. I mean, yeah. Now we know there can be ticket sales. It will be interesting though because if it's forty thousand and you have to make it open to the general public and you can't have like special ticket access for recruits, it will be interesting how they figure that out, Nate. Because um, you know, you want to make sure recruits have an opportunity to buy these tickets. Yeah, I don't know. They're going to have to get creative with that somehow, some way. But I know a code. That, Can they even well, do it? That'd be against the rules. Probably. Yeah, I, that probably would be. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I I know that they've already talked with some recruits about. Hey, you know, make plans on coming to the spring game and and purchase a ticket and get into the stadium and, and the virtual you know, weekend yeah, basically. Type yeah. Um, you know, see what, see what a, a kind of a, a game day atmosphere is like, so on and so forth. And uh, you know, and I know there are recruits that have already said that they're planning on being in Lincoln for that weekend. So, uh, but I don't know, you know how they can guarantee that they get a ticket or, or what, but I'm sure they can find a way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that it, they'll make sure that it happens one way or another. And if I'm, here's the challenge for Nebraska fans. If I'm, if I'm in charge of this right now, I'm saying we need to make the red, white spring game, the largest gathering of people within the rules in the United States that's happened since COVID started. And I think if they got 40,000, it would be tell you guys, correct me if I'm wrong. Where has there been a crowd assembled since COVID of 40,000 people? Super Bowl was yeah. not, as we know. Yeah, I was going to say. What about some of those college games? Like, remember Notre um, Dame had 20,000. They, they were only allowing 20, 25%. And what about in the SEC? 20, 25%. So nobody in the SEC had more than um, 20 to 25% capacity. Nobody did 50. I know that uh, because of COVID was right in the heat in the fall. It was the high point in the country. So, you know, that SEC game with a uh, and Florida, they said was 25%, but it could, I mean, really, the Nebraska spring game, and if you're trying to recruit and build something here, you could say, look, we have the most loyal fan base. Yeah, we had a rough year, but we are going to assemble the largest gathering of people in our stadium since COVID-19 in this country for this game, for a freaking scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I mean. And especially with, you know, the whole NLI thing or uh, NIL, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I mean, that that's a big opportunity to say, look, <laughs> This is a perfect, tangible example of what this fan base is all about and what your celebrity status as a Nebraska Cornhusker means, where, I mean, this many people will turn out for a practice. And imagine what it would be like if not only on a game day, but what it would be like if we were winning. Well, and and think about this. Like almost 100,000 people as of today have gotten at least one shot in Lancaster County, and there's 300,000 people in the county. So we're well on our way with the vaccination numbers I think we will be in the green for that yeah, game. That's why I say it's inevitable. And it, it will really help. Um, and in some ways, May 1 can be just a celebration of what this everyone has gone through this last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a reflection of like, holy crap. Like, sorry, if we weren't on radio stations, I'd have some different language I could use. <laughs> we but, know what you meant. Um, but I have to keep it clean for our affiliates here. But yeah, it will be. It will be something, guys. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk pro day. DiCaprio Boodle, Jack Stahl had some good workouts. Um, we'll discuss their draft pro day numbers next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Uh, yeah, it's, it's very important. I mean, I like to say that that I ran my way into Nebraska, and you know, tomorrow morning I'll run my way into the league very fast, extremely fast. 
And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was DiCaprio Boodle giving his pre-pro day take to me when I asked him if, um, you know, if he could run like he did to get his offer to Nebraska back in 2015. He ran a 438, um, so he did match that number. The segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill on 30th and Yankee Hill. It's been buzzing in Tanner's the last few uh, days and weekends. Uh, March Madness is going on. Um, new schedule of March Madness. It's a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So uh, they have been packed. Um, great service, great food. Uh, I was in there on Saturday night for a while to watch uh, the tail end of the games, and it was still buzzing in there. So get on into Tanner's on 30th and Yankee Hill uh, to watch all of the basketball. They have Husker Volleyball, Husker Baseball, BTN Plus feeds going as well. So it is your location to watch all and everything sports. All right, guys, pro day. Nate, I want to go to you first because we were both at this camp in 2015. Doral Meadows Park, DiCaprio Boodle got on the radar. There was 400 attendees there, at least in our camp write-up. I went back and read. I felt like it was more than 400. Yeah, yeah. It might have been more than 400, maybe 400 pre-registered and then about 400 show-ups. <laughs> um, but he ran that day, I believe, in the four threes as well. And so not a surprise. He runs a four three eight at pro day at least on two watches, um, you know, measured in at five, nine and three quarter, or I'm sorry, that's uh, he was five, nine and a half, five, nine and five eights. It was his height, uh, weight, 180, uh, 36 and a half inch vertical, 10, six broad, 16 reps in the bench. Uh, DiCaprio Buda really helped himself a pro day. Yeah, it was huge for him. I mean, I, I think that when, when you don't have, um, you know, you're, you hadn't really punched your ticket with a, with a, an invite to the combine, even though that's the combine's not really, you know, happening or whatever. But I mean, he he had to run a, a stellar time. I feel like, and um, and he said it in the open there. You know, he he ran his way into to Nebraska. That's how he got on Nebraska's radar is by running that forty at, at that satellite camp. And it, and I'm pretty sure that it was a four three eight that he ran that day. Um, you know, out of and it was the fastest time out of you know four hundred plus kids there. And, and then that's what he did uh, to, to really grab some attention and some headlines in front of the scouts. I, I think he had to do that. He's put together a ton of film and, and, is, and put together a pretty good career at Nebraska. Uh, but I feel like, you know, in order to really bump his stock up, he had to have a great day. And, uh, and he backed it up with, with that 40 time. And, and really all the other numbers are, are pretty good, too. What I just wonder is, you know, I mean, obviously he's got all the, the numbers with the, the vertical, the speed, uh, and then you look at just his, his stats were relatively strong, especially with his past breakups uh, over the last couple of seasons. But, you know, he's just such a small player, you know, that I think the, the, the height is really going to hold him back in the NFL. And is he a nickel corner? I don't know. I mean, that's why a, nic a nickel and a special teams guy. I just wonder, there's not many guys that are as small as he is that – that make it in the league. And so, I mean, he's still got a very uphill bottle, or battle, but certainly when you put up four in the four threes, people are going to take notice. And a lot of times that, that will give you an opportunity to be evaluated that he might not otherwise get. I mean, if he runs a four, six, you know, he's not even what in the discussion right didn't now. Didn't Lamar Jackson only run four sevens last year? Yeah, but he was also six foot three, six, 200 yeah. some pounds. So. And he started for the Jets. Yeah, and he played a lot. Uh, so they didn't get drafted either, by the way. No, so I, you know, I'm, I'm still, you know, have my doubts about his ability to get drafted, but 
He's certainly put himself on the radar, and teams are going to take a closer look than maybe they otherwise would have. Of all the guys that – I mean, Jack Stoll, I, I still think he's going to have a hard time getting drafted. I mean, he had a great pro day. I think he's going to get a good opportunity in a camp. But I, I do think Farniak maybe solidified himself to be like a seventh, sixth rounder um, based on what he did. I mean, he outperformed Hymas in every category, and Hymas backed out of the 40 um, because of calf stiffness. So – um, I thought Farniak moved and looked as good as I've ever seen, and he's definitely a guard or a center in the NFL. He's not a tackle. I mean, we've known that for many years, that guard is best fit. I'll be curious what that does for Matt Farniak um, you know, going into this process. Well, for me, his biggest value is his versatility. The fact that he played, he played guard, center, played tackle. He can play center. And I mean, look at Nick Gates. <laughs> Nick Gates is a starting center in the NFL right now. And that's because he trained himself to play any position and be a commodity at all five spots. And that's exactly the same path Matt Farniak's trying to take. And, you know, he, he made it uh, very well known in, the, in that pre pro day press conference that, you know, I'm willing to play wherever they want. You know, I think I, I could be a guard tackle. I could be a, 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 a flip guard or whatever. I could play center. I could do anything you want me to do. And that is going to increase your value tenfold, especially when you're one of those fringe guys that, you know, has a, a slight chance to get drafted, but will probably have a better shot at making it uh, as an undrafted rookie free agent. When you can play a number of different spots and, you know, you can add depth at a bunch of different positions, that is going to give yourself a significantly higher chance of sticking than otherwise. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I think the, the fact that he's played a lot of football, but yet – um, is still growing into being more of an interior guy. Like like we said, we, we know that he's not a tackle at the next level, uh, but he's shown the ability to at least th- – that he's played there before. But, um, you know, he's – I think he could be a swing guard in, you know, in the NFL. And he's got the measurables and everything. And But when you add in, you know, the, the ability to, to – you know, plug and play him across the board, you know, I think that adds, um, you know, some value to yourself, especially, you know, if you're looking at being a, a day three guy, um, you know, you're, you're probably going to vault up the board there over some other guys that are, um, you know, only a one position type of player that may not have the same type of measurables. You're listening here to the Husker Line show as we talk pro day. I'll tell you the one guy that kind of didn't help himself was Diedrich Mills. Um, when, when you look at the numbers, um, you know, he, he needed to probably get in the four fives. I I had him in the high four fives on some attempts on my watch. Um, I, the, the scout sheet I'm reading over had him at, in the four sixes. Um, and then, you know, his, you know, his vertical was 32 and a half with 13 bench reps. So he didn't really move the needle with speed, bench press, or just that overall explosion, the vertical, um, which I, and then his age, he's older as it is already. So I, I think he needed to have an elite workout to, to put himself in a draftable conversation, and, and I just don't see him being drafted right now. Well, and yeah, I mean, even before the pro day, he said it himself that he needed to – the most important event of the day was the 40 to show that he actually had top-end speed that uh, you know would put him beyond just that kind of uh, you know three yards in a cloud of dust type running back. And, you know, 4-6 – I don't know if that necessarily does that. I mean, if he runs, you know, low four five, something like that, maybe he's got a an opportunity to, you know, maybe prove some of those doubters wrong. But I think if anything, he just confirmed he is what he is, and he he, he has the speed that everybody expected. And uh, so, 
you know, I think that that left a lot to be desired, and I'm with you, Sean. I, I do not consider him a viable draft prospect right now. Yeah, maybe too many chicken sandwiches. Yeah, I don't especially know. when you admit with NFL draft <laughs> scouts on the Zoom that you ate five Popeyes chicken sandwiches in one sitting. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <Whoops. laughs> like, if you didn't have to worry about tomorrow, could you guys eat five? Ch- if you were like, you know what, I could do this and I'm not no. going to gain weight. Could you eat five? No. no. I tried to eat two once and I couldn't finish the second yeah, one. Yeah, they're big. Yeah, they're, yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, there's no, there's no way I could do five. There's certain things you can like eat forever, and that would be the bread and the batter would make that hard. Like, mm-hmm. wing, I feel like wings, you could eat a lot of wings. A lot of wings. But chicken sandwiches that are breaded heavily on buns and. There's a, there's a lot of filler in those well, chicken sandwiches. I don't get the mayonnaise on it when I go there. I mean, if you get the mayonnaise on five, I mean, that's a lot of extra calories added to that sandwich. Yeah, that, it's probably a 10,000 calorie meal right there if you eat five of those Popeye easy. chicken sandwiches. With the, mayonnaise, with the mayonnaise on, especially. Ugh. All right. Well, <laughs> and Jack Stoll, I, I I didn't go through his numbers. A four six zero thirty one and a half inch vertical. Um, and I, I think if anything, guys like Stoll and Boodle, I don't know if the pro day itself gets them, you know, drafted. But what it does is it gets maybe five or six more teams on them to say, you know what, we need to watch the film on these guys. Mm-hmm. And, and keep keep in mind, there was NFL scouts and personnel running those drills. I mean, the offensive linemen, they're the Patriots. Uh, o-line coach was running those drills so i mean there there was some firsthand observations that you know if nothing else like i said you, you were on the radar uh as a potential undrafted rookie free agent and like i said sometimes you have a better opportunity of sticking with those teams than you would if you got drafted as a flyer at the end of the seventh round all right when we come back guys we're going to talk spring football uh we've got offensive line to wrap up with and also secondary. So we're going to talk about that in our next two segments as practice starts on Tuesday. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think the line's heading uh, in the correct direction. I think me and Hymas kind of helped uh, lead them to the way that it takes to be a, a good old line with a good unit. And um, I'm excited to see Turner and Bryce, all the, and those older guys, Sichterman, Bando, they've all kind of stepped up in that leadership role, and which is fantastic because, uh, I mean, that's the way the game goes. When someone steps out, uh, the next guy has to step in and be ready to roll. And um, just being here a short little bit, uh, those guys have really stepped up and embraced the, the leadership role that needed to be filled. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, and A. Klaus. That was Matt Farniak talking about just the offensive line and where it's headed this spring. You know, guys, when you look at this group, there are actually six players on this roster that have made Division One FBS starts. Uh, Bryce Benhart, uh, Trent Hickson, Cam Jurgens, and then you had Turner Corcoran. Then you have a couple wild card names as well in that mix. Uh, Ethan Piper, I forgot to mention, but then um, Nuri Nuelli from Colorado State was a seven-game starter there. So they lose three veterans. Bo Wilson, also a guy that was a starter at times, but the two big ones, Farniak and Hymas. But you have six returning. So there's just a lot of promise with this group. And you know, I don't want to say pressure, but Greg Austin needs to kind of get this group rolling because I think all the material is there this spring. Well, they finally have the I – mean, it's a lot like our conversations about the defensive line is uh, they actually have numbers on their side. Uh, and it's not just, you know, your top group and then a whole bunch of question marks after that. Uh, there's as much depth on that offensive line as we've seen in some time here. And a lot of that just comes with, uh, you know, the work they've been able to do uh, on the recruiting front over the past few classes where – 
you know, guys have actually stuck and they haven't had those like glaring busts to where, you know, there was a, a complete swing and a miss. So, I mean, you got a projected starters right now, but you could make the case for a handful of other guys uh, as to potentially, um, you know, make a run for starting jobs or if nothing else, uh, you know, make a crack in the rotation. And that is the best problem to have ever, uh, especially with the Big Ten offensive line. You can't get by with just five guys or even six guys. You need seven, eight, uh, or maybe even more. And on paper, it appears that they have that. They just need a lot of those young guys with all that potential. Seems like we've been saying that a lot lately, but to live up to that. And if they do, they're going to be in a very good spot. Well, and you take a step back and look at the big picture here, too. Every There's not a senior in that group everyone's going to be returning after this season too. So the next two years, I mean, I think the O-line, you know, granted they they continue to do develop and, and add, even add to that group. There's, I mean, they're, you're looking at uh, a lot of, a lot of guys that are going to be able to play some good football for you. And, and uh, you know, it's probably a lot of competition too, which, you know, as we all know, that's, that's one of the, the big deals, too, is you know, I think the more competition that's going on kind of raises everyone's game. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of I'm excited about what this group could potentially look like, not only this year, but, you know, when you when you uh, factor in that everyone's going to be returning after this season, too. You're listening here to the Husker Line show as we talk offensive line. And, and I, I think the big question is, what will they do? I mean, I feel like there's four starters right now. I mean, if you're just being like realistic. Ben Hart, Jurgens, Piper, and Corcoran. I mean, those are going to be starters. Uh, we assume Corcoran's going to hold that left tackle job. I mean, maybe Brant Banks could be the left, uh, but based on what we saw at Rutgers, Corcoran really showed that he's the guy mm-hmm. he's for the guy. future. Um, so then, what do you do with that other guard spot? Does Trent Hickson get the nod? Does Banks move inside? Does Nuri Noelli emerge? Uh, I, I think there's a lot of ways they can go, and and. Greg Austin's always been play the best five guy. I mean, there was always a cry like, why is Will Farniak not playing at center? He's number two on the depth chart. And, you know, that that's not how they operated. They, they wanted to play the best five guys. And sometimes your sixth guy can play multiple positions. And, and you saw we've seen um, Austin move things around mm-hmm. to ensure the five best players are on the field. Go back to his first year when Tanner Farmer moved himself to center. Um, who was the center that first year that Tanner Farmer took over for? Oh, Lincoln. Boy, I'm, <laughs> I don't even. He wasn't, I mean, didn't do a very good job, though. And then they moved Farmer to center, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally drawing a blank. Yeah, but Gerald yeah. Foster, <laughs> Farmer. Bo Wilson didn't play center. No. Gosh, who, who would have been the center that first well, year? Well, I mean, the fact that we are completely drawn a blank, I think, tells you that it was. You know, whoever it was, it was kind of they left to a lot to be desired there. But yeah, I, I can't even. I don't recall. Exactly. I just remember Farmer took over at the start of the. Oh, Cole Conrad. Mm, that's okay. right. So Cole Conrad started out as the center, and then got unseated because they wanted to get Bo Wilson on the field at that time, and then that put Farmer into center. Yes. And, and that's kind of been the formula with Greg Austin. He's like, move and play the best five guys. Mm-hmm. We're not worried about having a number two center and a number two right guard and a number two left guard. 
And that's the way it should be. I mean, I, I feel like you want to have your best players in the field. Well, especially in today's age of cross-training linemen. I mean, yeah. you guys, for, them, for their own – we just talked about Matt Farniak. I mean, how what makes him uh, have a, a chance at going to the league is because he can play multiple positions, and he had the opportunity to play multiple positions, and that fell in line with – playing the best five. You know, they were willing to put their established starting right tackle inside at guard in order to play their promising redshirt freshman. And so, I mean, I think that willingness to play players that are deserving of it gives every one of those guys an opportunity. And so right now, I mean, I guess my guess is, to, as of today, Trent Hickson is probably the number one, but he has by no means got that thing locked up and he's going to have to win. That what do you bottle. think about banks though? Like Nate, do you think banks could play guard? I mean, is, is that a stretch to assume that he could just move into guard? I don't think so. I, I, I feel like he could play guard. Um, and I kind of go back to a guy like Zach stirrup who was a tackle, who is a big, you know, a big body, obviously uh, who somebody who you probably looked at and thought, okay, well he's strictly a tackle, but um, you know, he, he moved inside, played some guard, did well, um, you know, and kind of had a little bit of a basketball background. Brant Banks is the same way. I mean, he's, he's somebody who, um, you know, I think is, I mean, obviously he's a really big guy, but I think that, uh, that he could move in and, and have no problem playing, playing guard. And Brock, I forgot Brock Bando. I mean, he would be in this conversation too. I think when you're trying to find that fifth guy, I mean, he's played a little bit of football over, over the years. So that will be interesting, just how they play that out. Will Ben Hart take a step forward? Because let's be honest, like Ben Hart had an okay year, but I wouldn't mm -hmm. call his year great. Mm -mm. I mean, he, it was a freshman year for him on the field. There, yeah. there were some moments where he got beat pretty bad, and it, and it hurt Nebraska. I want to say, was it the Minnesota game? He gave up some pretty big sacks mm -hmm. in that game um, on Martinez, where Martinez doesn't even have a chance. Uh, but he played well at Rutgers. I mean, Nebraska's entire line played great at Rutgers, so – yeah, I'm intrigued just to see some of these guys. I think we've named all the other. Ezra Miller will be interesting to see if he is even going to be a factor because uh, he, you know, he's had some personal things that caused him to quit football. Then he came back. So is he even going to be a factor at all, let alone this year for Nebraska? Yeah, and I'm honestly intrigued by Newelli. I mean, I think we've been talking about him forever, and it seems like now is his best opportunity to. Uh, you know, really showcase what he's all about. And he's a guy that started games before. As a true, as, freshman, as a true freshman in his second year of American football. You can't overlook that. I mean, the guy's just getting started with his development, and so he's probably primed to really take a step forward. And so, you know, like I said, right now my guess would be Hickson, but that is by no means a lock whatsoever at that other guard spot. Yeah, and does, does a veteran guy who's been in the program for a long time like a Matt Sichterman uh, finally take a step forward you know you you heard Farniak in the in the open there kind of mention him as somebody who who could step up and you know so that's another name to to potentially watch out for to be in the mix there all right guys when we come back we are going to talk secondary as there's a spot open there as well we'll discuss that next you're listening here to the Husker Online Show this is Husker Online your authority on Nebraska athletics yeah, those those guys are they'll be the same people that that they were, you know, when I left here. Well, now I I don't want to say the same. They'll be better than than they were, um, you know, another year under them, another year under their belt, you know, just learning from a great coach like Coach Fish, just just being able to continue to to get better at their game, chip away at their game, um, you know. So so those guys are, you know, they they they're, they're grown men at this point, you know. They're they're seasoned, you know. They they know what they need to know. They know what they need to do, and you know I got nothing but faith in all those guys. 
And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, A. Klaus. That was DiCaprio Boodle discussing Nebraska's three returning starters in the secondary. And, and it takes our conversation now to the secondary here as we preview spring practice as media day. Uh, the preview press conference will be on Monday. And the first practice is Tuesday, Wednesday. So uh, we will be next week at this very time when we tape our show, we will be knee deep in at least two spring practices in um, it sounds like we should get some in-person access and coverage to a couple of things, which will be really nice. It was nice to be at the pro day in person. It was the first time I'd set foot inside Hawks indoor facility in over a year. Um, so that will be nice to, to be able to, um, to, to be, potentially go over to something this year. But guys, you look at this secondary, Markel Smuke and Deontay Williams are six year seniors at safety returning cam Taylor Britt's a fourth year junior. He'll be starting um, at corner for Nebraska um, so they've got three starters there to work with. And then the other question now is who wins that DiCaprio Boodle spot? Could Nadab Joseph be that guy? Could Braxton Clark? Could Quentin Newsom? Could a prep school transfer like Marcus Buford, who's here right now? I mean, there's there's a number of ways that this could go as I think two two corners need to probably emerge with Taylor Britt um, going forward, especially when you have teams like Oklahoma on the schedule. Um, you know, Jojo Doman's a great um, weapon in the Big Ten when you're playing him as a nickel. But when you play Oklahoma, you might need to have a third corner, actually, versus flexing out your linebacker on Oklahoma's slot receivers in week three. Um, so there's a lot of things that they're going to have to get figured out. And I think that corner battle next to Taylor Britt will be intriguing to watch. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, there's at least two or three, maybe three, like extremely viable candidates to win that job. But you know, regardless of who's the starter, I think they're going to have multiple players rotate in, which they've done in the past and will continue to do again. Um, I think Clark and Newsom are probably the front runners for that spot, just because Joseph. I, I just I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen enough of them to really. I mean, whereas Bra- some, well, Braxton Clark before he got hurt was going to potentially be a starter. Quentin mm-hmm. Newsom started games, and so I mean, I, in my opinion, they're ahead of Joseph right now, but. Uh, you know, I guess we'll see what happens over the next few months. But that being said, I mean, those are three guys you can make the case to be a starter, and and they're going to need them. They're going to need all those guys. I mean, not only just to, to, to start or even be the number two, but uh, to rotate and give guys uh, breaks because with the <laughs> the uh, level of offenses they're going to be seeing this year, it's going to be all hands on deck. Well, certainly no one comes into you know comes to the table with more of a recruiting resume than Nadab Joseph. I mean. Uh, he was a highly ranked guy coming out of high school, highly ranked guy coming out of junior college. And so, um, you know, and, and he's got, I mean, you draw up what a, what you want a, a cornerback to look like, it's it's Nadab Joseph. So, uh, I mean, he, he has the tools, but like you said, Robin, we haven't really seen it. You know, he's, <laughs> I don't know, um, you know, there were some things that kind of held him back last year. So I don't even, it's almost like he missed an entire year for the most part as far as his development goes. And so, um, you know what does what where, where's he at right now what does he what does he bring to the table once he's on the football field and you you know everyone's recruiting resume gets thrown out the window but uh, definitely you know out of those three guys Joseph Clark and Newsom there's I mean you got some options there and then you throw in a Marquise Buford uh, who's uh, you know arguably the top uh, prep school cornerback in the country and, and that can do a lot now, of did he things. play a year last year I don't well so not an official year they had some games but there are like scrimmage they weren't they didn't play an official season so um yeah i mean he's connecticut prep school football i just don't envision a very high level no. uh 
No, it was, yeah, it was, there's some of the prep schools out there, they didn't have like a sanctioned season, but they had some like unofficial scrimmages. Uh, but so, I mean, they, they still practiced and, you know, it wasn't a, a completely lost year, but it wasn't like a normal year either. You know, and then the other interesting spot after Dismuke and Deontay Williams, just, just to get a gauge of that safety position going forward, you know, Miles Farmer got some good action. No, Paul Gates has played some special teams, but he just hasn't really been what we thought he'd be yet. And will that light bulb start to click? And I think the sleeper guys is Isaac Gifford. Um, he really emerged as a true freshman. He was one of the leading snap guys for special teams last year. And guess what, guys? He's a true freshman again this year because of COVID. Um, so Miles Farmer, No Paul Gates, and Isaac Gifford are all freshmen again. Um, so they've got a lot of young depth. And Kobe Bretts will be here in the fall. Um, but just kind of sorting out that position with those three younger safeties will be interesting too. Mm-hmm. In, in my opinion, if healthy, Miles Farmer's the guy. I mean, that guy, he was already on the fast track last season, had that unfortunate intri- uh, injury. Uh, but uh, from a talent perspective, I mean, I think he's clearly the next man up behind those seniors. And then the question becomes, where is Noel Polgates? Will he ever be the guy that everybody thought he would be coming in as a uh, you know all-American safety? And could a guy like Gifford pass him up, which I would not rule out whatsoever because, I mean, Gifford's a baller. And he did not get nearly the recruiting hype he probably deserved coming out of high school. And Nebraska got themselves an absolute steal, in my opinion, where you got a guy that, I mean, obviously he's a talented player, but you know he's a legacy guy. And he, he understands you know what this program is. And just to have someone that, like that, that is already this far along, he's definitely one to watch, not only this year, but in the next couple of years to come. Well, yeah, he may be only a freshman, but I mean, he's he's developed. I mean, he's he's not like your typical freshman. Um, he's been in some of those workout videos. Exactly. He, yeah. he didn't look like a yeah, freshman. Yeah, you see him throwing around some weight in some of those <laughs> those weight room hype-up videos or whatever. Um, yeah, and he's, I mean, he's not like your, your typical kid who's fresh out of high school. Um, and I agree. I, I think Miles Farmer, if healthy, he's the guy. He's just different. Uh, he's he's built a little different than everybody. His but, speed would be my only question. Yeah, like I mean, because he he should have ran one of those back against Northwestern for a touchdown. Yeah, and he kind of got he got hocked down. Pretty, they scored though good, on that yeah. still. So it did, I mean, it ended up being nothing. But that would be my knock. I mean, and Nate, another guy I want to ask you about is Taman Lynham. We didn't even mention him. Um, but, you know, he, he probably, you know, we'll get a better read on him as well. Yeah, I think he's somebody that the staff's high on. I know, I mean, obviously, you know, coming out of high school, um, Travis Fisher thought that he was one of the steals uh, of that defensive back class that they signed. And, and you know, a lot of those more highly ranked guys are no longer here. But uh, he was, you know, he, he kind of took a back seat to a lot of those other guys, but I know Fisher was very, very excited about him and, and wanted to lock up that commitment very early on in the process because he felt like the, the big dogs were, were kind of overlooking him and, and he wanted to be able to kind of sneak him out of Florida, which he was able to do. So uh, you know, I think Lynham is somebody who, who's got a chance to, uh, to kind of really you know, make a name for himself this spring. All right, guys, when we come back, we're going to do a double-dose recruiting segment Um, There's some things I want to hit on with Nate, and there's some things I want to hit on with Robin about basketball. So uh, we're going to cram it all into one uh, because we had a lot of ground to cover with Pro Day fans and wrapping up our spring previews. Um, So lots to get to next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. It's a recruiting doubleheader. We're going to talk basketball, talk football. 
I want to get to football first with Nate Klaus on recruiting Nate. Um, it's still the dead period, and it's going to be the dead period until at least June 1st. A couple things. Nebraska put out a camp schedule, though, so we, we at least have a map of what June's going to look like. Uh, there will be no Adidas satellite camps. Um, we reported that this week on the site in Tunnel Talk. Um, and other than that, you know, the, they've got the camps out. Um, but from now until June, until the NCAA assumingly goes quiet, you're going to see kind of these cohort visits that go on where people take visits, but they're not football visits. And But they are football visits. Um, and, and Nebraska had one of those this week. Yeah, these self-guided visits, these self-guided tours that these – uh, that these guys are taking. They're, they're unofficial visits, but they're not your typical unofficial visits because you, you're, you're not able to meet with the coaches. You're not able to tour the football facilities and everything like that. But, I mean, the, the general idea of taking these trips is to, to get a feel for what campus is like, to at least look at the stadium from the outside. And, and um, you know, I think you can, you can still take a tour that is associated with the university just like any, any other normal student would, um, you know, and obviously get a feel for, for what the town is like and everything like that. And that's exactly what Soli Weedman did, uh, who's a big offensive lineman, 6'5", 300-pound offensive lineman from Massachusetts this past week. Um, you know, he basically is spending his, his spring break taking a bunch of trips around the country. He's kind of narrowed things down to a top five which Nebraska has made the the cut for and um, you know along with uh, you know Michigan uh, Pitt uh, West Virginia Virginia a couple couple others so I, I think that uh, you know the trip went fairly well we're still kind of trying to reach him for a full update but uh, I think that Nebraska's kind of you know put themselves in a good position here to, to kind of continue to move forward and with this him. is the first visitor but it's really not a visitor but the first visitor that's been in Lincoln and in a long time, right? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, as far as you know, t- taking a like a legit recruiting trip. Um, yeah, this is yeah the first one. Marky Step came here on his own. Yeah, and, and they, that was a similar type of deal. Uh, and you know, and that that kind of helped seal the deal with him. You know, I, I know that he met up with some guys on the team when he was in town. Um, you know, and, and that's kind of what happens with, on these self-guided tours. A lot of a lot of times, guys run into to current players that are on the team and. Um, you know, since they're unable to meet with the coaches, you know, they're kind of getting they're getting recruited by the players and themselves. And, and, and a lot of times, you know, sometimes that's that's just as good as anything else. So, um, you know, but yeah, this is like one of the first legit recruiting trips or recruiting visitors that Nebraska's had in a very, very long time. And then the camp schedule, Nate, I mean, nothing too out of the norm and two Friday night lights, a seven on seven, a pipeline camp, two individuals, a specialist camp. One interesting one on there, they're going to have a rising 7th and 8th graders camp in there. And, you know, part of it, I think, is, hey, you know what, on the in-state area, if there is a really good 8th grader, they kind of want to find out who these kids are and get on them even earlier. Yeah, it makes it makes all the sense in the world. You know, if you can if you can put together a camp like that and, and try to identify some players early on, um, why not? And this is a really good year to do it because – I think everyone's kind of starving for for a camp to go to or, or you know to go work on on being coached up and, and obviously never hurts to to gain a little extra exposure or some early on exposure if you're one of these rising seventh or eighth graders. And it'll be interesting, Nate, with spring practice. I know nothing's been announced, but if Nebraska does decide to go the open practice route a couple of times, we know the red white game they will be open to buy tickets, and we expect recruits at that. Um, but it will be interesting if they do one or two open to the public practices, which, by the way, recruits are part of the public. They can come and they can watch practice. 
and they could be by the fence and be right there. So um, I hope selfishly <laughs> Nebraska does it, but they got to, man. Yeah. They have to. They have to. They're yeah. not Ohio State. They're not Michigan. They're not Penn State. They need to get people into Lincoln. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, other schools are doing it. And when other schools are doing it, you've got to do it too. Otherwise, you're missing out. You know, Missouri is one of these teams that, that, is, that has been able to, to uh, open things up to the, to the public. Uh, for sure, what, I think what more than anything, what Missouri has done is it's kind of like, uh, you know, I know when I was coming out of high school, the university had what they called a red light. Letter day, where you know before you were entering college, you you could you came down and you took a tour of the campus and everything, and um, and and that's what kind of Missouri's doing. They're they're allowing people who are coming in for like an admissions tour to stop stop by and watch football practice. Well, it just just so happens to be that if you're a football recruit, well, uh, you can you can be a part of this tour and you can go to practice and you can sit, sit there and watch practice. So um, that's what Missouri's been doing. They've been getting kids from St. Louis and Kansas City on their campus and uh, watching practice all throughout the spring since they started. So I think Nebraska's got to do something like that to try and capitalize on it. All right, Robin, basketball talk here. We won't talk about the Big Ten and the NCAA tournament as – I know you went all in on your bracket on that, as did many of us, and it's not been a good good, good weekend for the uh, Big Ten. Uh, but recruiting-wise, Robin, for Nebraska basketball, things are picking up. They have spots to give. What's the latest? You put out a hot board this week on HuskerOnline.com. Yeah, so I, I, first of all, I had Gonzaga winning it, so bracket is still hanging what an, by hey, a what thread. A, what an original pick. Well, and it's paying off. <laughs> I know. So I, no, I, picked, I picked them too. <laughs> so they have four open scholarships right now, and that could eventually go to five. Um, with There's still one more departure that I expect to happen in time. Uh, so they have a few names that have popped up on their transfer List and number one on that board is C.J. Wiltshire, a uh, you know guard from Xavier, just hit the transfer portal uh, last week. Nebraska immediately reached out. Um, long ties dating back to when he was coming out um, as a recruit coming out of high school. Uh, he with Abdel Masi, he recruited him at St. John's and then to Nebraska when they came here to Lincoln. Uh, he he's number one on their board, and Nebraska has been putting the full court press on him. Uh, he is regarded as one of the best shooters to come out of the 2020 class. He was a four-star recruit, uh, didn't play much as a freshman, but did at the end of the year and played well. Uh, and I know people at Xavier were looking at him as maybe one of the the building blocks to their program's future, and were a little bit taken aback when he decided to hit the portal. So that is number one, uh, the, the, the number one name to watch going forward. After that, you know, it kind of gets a little interesting. There's a kid uh, by the name, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. I'm not going to lie. He's from Lithuania, Oleg Koyanets, K-O-J-E-N-E-T-S. So do with that what you will. He is a seven-foot center, uh, extremely skilled, not the biggest guy, probably only like 220-some pounds, so he's got a wiry frame, uh, but he's a guy that is a, a three-star recruit playing um, at a prep school in Ohio right now that uh, when he was uh, playing for the Lithuanian U16 national team, uh, there were some sites that were regarding him as a potential, like if he were playing in the United States, a potential top 50 prospect in the 2021 class. So uh, there's very good momentum for Nebraska on him. Uh, and potentially that could be one of the ways they fill their scholarship. And if it is, look for him to be a potential redshirt candidate who voluntarily sits out to try to get bigger, stronger uh, and make himself a little more physically apt 
for the Big Ten. Uh, and then after that, um, the Xavier Simpson – or no, uh, uh, Pinson. Sorry, not Xavier. Xavier Pinson, the guard, junior guard from Missouri, averaged 13 a game as their second-leading scorer, second-leader in assists, and started every game for the Tigers last year or this past year. Um, he kind of had a falling out with Quanzo Martin and the Missouri coaching staff. Uh, just hit the transfer portal on Tuesday, and Nebraska immediately got in the mix with him. And so that is another name to keep a close eye on going forward because he has uh, vaulted up their priority list. And so I'd probably put those three guys at the top of their board. Um, they've had Zoom calls with Myron Jones, uh, the transfer from Penn State, who Nebraska fans should know pretty well. He averaged like 20-some points a game against Nebraska in three games this year. Uh, but I don't know if he's – as high as the others. So I'd probably put those three at the top of the board with uh, some potential room to some wiggle room going forward. And Nate, we will have some recruiting football in the area, at least picking up Iowa Western opens their season on Saturday against snow college. Um, That's a noon game in council bluff. So if you're listening to the show and you want to watch a game, um, that's a pretty good junior college football game on Saturday. Um, get this. I talked to Strohmeyer, uh, the coach of Iowa Western this week, Nate, they are not playing the Kansas Juco's anymore. Uh, the Kansas Juco's have ended their deal essentially with playing Iowa Western, and you know three of the teams were adamant they don't want to play them anymore. And my theory is they kept getting knocked out of the championship race because yeah. Iowa Western has beaten them all. Yeah, I mean, I think when when you look at how Iowa Westerns fared against uh, most of the Jayhawk league. Uh, well, you know, over the last four or five years, that's that's kind of been the case. I mean, especially a lot of those uh, lower level Jayhawk teams that are kind of struggling to, um, to to get up to the level of of a Butler County and and Garden City and and Iowa Western and so on and so forth. So it doesn't completely shock me. Uh, but you're right. I mean, if you want to watch some football. I mean, Iowa Western and Snow College, I mean, those are the two of the best programs out there right now. So, um, you know, going to be a lot of Division One football players uh, playing and, this Saturday. And the Reavers will play an eight-game spring schedule. They'll play both Iowa Juco teams twice, Ellsworth and Iowa Central, um, home and home. And then they have Snow College, Arkansas Baptist, Southern Shreveport, um, and then Northeast Oklahoma A&M. So when you take those Kansas teams out, it gets kind of – I mean, they just don't get very many games anymore. Yeah, yeah it's going to be difficult to fill the schedule. I mean, when you're playing a home-and-home home against Ellsworth and Iowa Central, that's kind of – you know, that's a little – a little disappointing, I guess. You know, if you, you'd much rather mix in a couple Jayhawk League teams in there, that's for sure. All right. Well, plenty to keep up on. Fans will be at Haymarket Park this weekend uh, for both baseball and softball. We should get more information on red white game tickets um, and volleyball coming up against Penn State for Senior Day. So lots of excitement. Make sure you're logged on to HuskerOnline.com. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.